All right, it is first and moose reaction to super wild card week and it was a heck of a week really fun ended not ended on but we had some nickelodeon fandom as well this is it's been a good week it's connor taylor mark schoenster as always on the first and moose podcast on united to the moose or any podcast you listen to thank you for the support throughout this regular season and to the the postseason and today we're going to talk about the wildcard weekend and then we're going to answer or try to answer, see if our questions were answered from earlier this year from the AFC biggest questions later in the podcast. But let's let's start. I actually want to start with maybe not the the lead, but the the Nickelodeon game, Mark. Let's, let's right. get that fun one out of the way. I don't know if there's much to talk about football, but I, I like the broadcast. I, I'm totally down for it. Yeah, I mean, first off, I will, I want to get this out of the way. It was a joke I thought about while during the game, and uh, it's a one I'm going to drop now. The one flaw I had with the game was showing the Bears to children and trying to get the, the children into watching football by showing them the Bears. It was kind of like if you are an Avatar The Last Airbender fan, it's like trying to show someone who's never seen the series before The Great Divide, which is easily the worst episode of Avatar in the series. And uh, you're just, you're setting them up to, to not like it. So uh, that would be my one criticism. But overall, yeah, there are some moments, some graphics where I where I was thinking, oh, gosh, like, oh, boy, this is bad. Or some of the, the animation things they did were, were, were kind of silly. But, you know, all in all, it was a great sort of educational experience viewing the game, you know. And I think it would be really cool if the NFL made that more of a regular thing where maybe it doesn't even have to be every week. It could be once every few weeks you have a Nickelodeon. It doesn't even have to be on Nick. It could just be a broadcast where the point is less about the more nitty gritty stuff and more about just talking about what a first down is, talking about uh, what is an onside kick, what, uh, what is a turnover, stuff like that. Why is, uh, why is time of possession important, stuff like that. And uh, I think that would be really cool. The only issue is is and this was something that people were laughing about yesterday is when catching the ball becomes a thing because when something there's no easy way to describe what constitutes (laughs) as a catch so i'm just i was just waiting for the moment where uh it got real bad but luckily given it was just the first time whenever there was a a weird ticky tacky rule like that they just kind of they just kind of washed it over like oh this is this is how it is now uh, that's just that's the rules maybe maybe later when you've watched the game more you'll understand more what happened um but someone pointed out that it's, it wasn't condescending and i think that yeah. was really good it wasn't like oh you stupid little kid you you don't know what a verse down is you dumb baby kid you don't know what a touchdown is oh you're silly it, i thought it was pretty fun and uh, i enjoyed it 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 made a, a game that was pretty pretty bland and pretty dull mm-hmm. a lot more entertaining and quite frankly by the fourth quarter I, I realized I have not been paying attention really to this game the way I do uh, <laughs> other games like I, I was just kind of watching it and just uh, you know I had a lot more fun than I'm sure they did on CBS or Amazon Prime yeah no I ended up I thought I was just gonna like tune in go back to CBS and and watch it on the main broadcast but then I was stuck I was like man this is enjoyable I want to see what they do but I, I agree with you, Mark. I thought Nate Burleson was was great. I think he's got that right type of energy and did explain some things in the right way where I was like, no, this would be helpful if you if you had kids to be able to be like, this is what this means because football's complicated. There's a lot of weird things. It's not like a, 
uh, basketball or soccer where it's pretty simple rules, nothing hard to explain. Football's got all these weird rules to explain. And I, I, I enjoyed it. And then my, my favorite part was Mitchell Trubisky winning the, the MVP award was, was quite hilarious to me. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I can't imagine. I, I was shocked when first off that they were announcing it, that <laughs> Mitch was winning. I thought if that was the case, they would kind of just be real quiet about it and just pick the most <laughs> voted saints player, but they kept talking about it. And I thought, well, they can't back down now. They've brought it up twice. They've brought it up twice that Mitch Trubisky's got it. I just wish I got to see him get slimed after losing a playoff game. <laughs> that would have been that would have been so funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can thank a lot of different entities for that. You can thank Twitter, Reddit, Barstool, yeah. a lot of a lot of groups of people. All the moment they saw that opportunity, they all knew immediately. Mitch Trubisky, we're going with Mitch Trubisky, and. Uh, they were able to pull it off. They didn't. I didn't get the payoff they wanted, but at least they still. Uh, they in in theory uh, got the job done. Yeah, it, it was hilarious to me, and I, I do think if I was a producer, I, I couldn't decide if I would let it go because it's hilarious at the same time, or decide to override the vote because I mean sometimes you got to override the vote. But I guess whoever was deciding said no. This is way too funny. We got to give it to Mitchell Trubisky, but. <laughs> Who knows? I, I did think I was like, man, I would be fine. And ESPN's owned by Disney. I was like, a Monday night football game, sometimes they're awful. Like, why couldn't we do a yeah. simulcast on like Disney characters? So who knows how this changed? But but the football game itself, Mark, the Bears Saints definitely wasn't probably closer to one of the least exciting games of the weekend. I mean, it was it was 21-3, the game. Nothing overly exciting. It wasn't 21 to 3, silly. It was 21 to 9. 20, 21 basically 21 <laughs> i mean i mean you could say it's we got a <laughs> we got a we got a uh buzzer beating slime zone <laughs> yeah i mean it's a good it was a great catch by jimmy graham if that's what he's ending on i guess that's good but yeah i mean the, the game did, the game wasn't super super exciting other than the nick broadcast and i guess we'll see if mitchell trubisky's back or to me more importantly if matt Nagy's back yeah i mean we we will have time to reflect on the bears more as a whole next week when we talk about the, the question we had at the beginning of the season for them but i mean they, they were lucky they were in the playoffs and mm -hmm. it kind of showed yeah I, the saints better team show their better team didn't even play their i would say their best game of the year and yeah. they're easily dominant and they've got the bucks coming up which i think that'll be a be a fun game let's move on to Ravens, Titans, Lamar Jackson finally earns that coveted first postseason win of his career. A lot of people gave him a lot of crap about that. Uh, he's a pretty young guy. I don't think it's yeah completely earned. I understand it somewhat because he hasn't played great, but he's he's really young, so you got to kind of give some leeway. But now he's went into the postseason. He gets that kind of off his chest a little bit. And the crazy thing is, looking back, at one point, the Ravens were were six and five. This team was in no man's land, a, a place where you're like questioning, where, where are they going to go? And they made it to the playoffs, and their team, honestly, you don't want to play right now. And they held Derrick Henry to a season low 40 yards. That was huge, Mark. I thought that was the defense, honestly, I thought won the game, which it's not something I honestly expected from the Ravens. I thought they would need their defense to come in clutch at moments, but throttling Derrick Henry, the arguably the best running back in the NFL right now, was 
a game changer and a game winner in all honesty. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. And he was stifled the entire game. And I was just waiting for him to get going. Cause that's kind of how it's always been with Derrick Henry. Like, yeah, you slow him down for the first two quarters, but just wait till the next quarter, wait till the next drive, wait till the next drive, wait till the next drive. And that day just never came. They, uh, it was interesting early on the Titans found some success running some play action, taunting the idea of Derrick Henry very early in the game. And then as the Ravens sort of uh, adjusted to that, they couldn't switch it back to their, their old reliable strategy uh, that they've utilized all season. And I mean, that's the ticket though. I mean, if you're going to beat the Titans, if you stop Derrick Henry, you're probably going to win. And I think that, We'll talk a little bit about the Titans question later, but I think it really leads into what we were thinking about the Titans prior to the season starting. I mean, this is huge for Baltimore though. Their defense stepped up They're They're playing right now at the level we thought they'd be playing and we can finally dispel the whole, uh, I know they were six and five and then they had a, a relatively easy slate outside of one or two games. But the fact of the matter is, is they've got their head straight now and they are ready to go and play Buffalo next week, which may be the game of the week uh, next week. I think that's probably the most exciting matchup we have. And I'm excited to see the, the Bills defense did all right against Jonathan Taylor. I said on the broadcast on Sunday that, or on Saturday, sorry, that the Bills needed to show that they could stop the run. I'm not convinced that they're ready to stop Lamar Jackson in that rushing attack. So I'm curious to see how that one goes. Let's talk about the very talked about Titans punting, kind of punt away all their chances. The, the punt stat, I, it's, a, it's a weird one. It, it's very specific about teams to punt while in opponent territory in the fourth quarter of a playoff game on fourth and two or less while trailing by at most seven points since 1994. There's only been three other teams to do that. I know that's a very particular scenario, but it is kind of weird though because how aggressive the NFL has gotten on those kind of situations. You're not trailing by much. You're in the fourth quarter, fourth and two. You need this. You're not getting that big of advantage by punting it. And it, it seemed like an odd call for someone like Mike Vabral, who is pretty aggressive overall in play calling. And I was a little shocked. I don't think, I mean, it was reacted pretty heavily that they thought maybe this would be the messed up call of the game, which I don't know if I lean on that. I'm, I'm not as analytic heavy as some people are with like you got to go with it on go mm. on it with fourth and two but I think this was a situation where I would go for it what, what about you Mark do you think you're going for it on fourth and two do you think that was a mistake looking back or are you well all right? here's my thought on the thing it was third and two before that and don't you think that with you need two yards to gain it's third and two don't you think with two tries you can get a first down with Derrick Henry that's how I so. feel. I would think so. If you don't, then you lose the playoff game. Like that's, that's the reason you won football games. Mm -hmm. They didn't even give it to Derrick Henry on third and two. They threw an incomplete pass. So if they did that, I almost still think you should give Derrick Henry and all a go on, on that situation. It's a big game. Give it to your guy. I know he's been stuffed up a couple of times this game. It hasn't really gotten going, but those are the moments that he breaks out for 15 yard, 20 yard, 30 yard runs. It, it was a little confusing to me. And I think that, um, honestly, at the moment, 
the, the ESPN uh, regular broadcast completely just accepted it. And I didn't even think about it for a moment. And then I thought about it for a little longer and thought, wait a minute, that was weird. Why did, why did that happen? And it is very odd, especially for Mike Vrabel, who's typically a pretty aggressive guy. It, it was kind of the, uh, the, the Titans and the Steelers at times yesterday were kind of the opposite issue that the Colts had against the bills, which was they were a little too conservative at times, yeah. whereas the Colts were overly aggressive and I, I guess it shows you um, sometimes it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. And uh, really what matters and what makes you look right is if you get the win and they didn't. And I mean, they had a chance, but I mean, uh, Lamar Jackson played well. He played great yesterday. And I think that's the end all be all of this discussion is that he came in, he played well. The defense stepped up after getting down early and uh, the Ravens are dangerous right now. Yeah, they, they're a scary team. And my favorite part from the game was maybe a part you really enjoyed, Mark, was was the logo dancing. It seemed oh like goodness. that that's it seemed like they talked about it because everyone was like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Like that definitely seemed pre-planned. And I love the energy from the Ravens about that. And I love this this feud between the Titans and Ravens. Yeah. I, hope, I hope to keep on seeing it for coming. Yeah, in. I love it. I think it's great. I think that uh we need more nasty rivalries in the NFL. We don't have as many anymore. It's gotten to a point where division rivals in most cases are more, they're friends. It's like, Hey, we see these guys several times a year. Like we're gonna, we're gonna know them a little better. Like we're, they're our friends. There are only a couple instances now where we really have teams that don't like each other. And this is an evident case of that. First off the Ravens, the logo feud, the Ravens just flat out like a couple of them. Lamar Jackson didn't shake hands with anybody after he won. Like that was, that was crazy to me. And I, I love the pettiness. I love the nastiness. I think that this is, uh, this is something I hope holds up for the next few years. John Harbaugh, Mike Vrabel, the Ravens and Titans. These are two teams that can continue to be good and it, it could really be a fun one for the future. The only other instance I can think of right now that I can feed into some sort of narrative of rivalry is maybe the Giants and Eagles after what the Eagles did. Um, but I don't know. I just love the nastiness. I love, I, I love the idea of t- teams just not liking each other. Like that's always fun. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm all in on it. I, I loved it. And I, I, I think it finally hit me that they hate each other during this game. And I know we, they had some instances the past previous two games, but didn't really feel like a rivalry to me. And then this point I was like, okay, these teams legitimately do not like each other. And I, I want to continue to watch it because we really don't have uh, a mean rivalry right now in the mm-hmm. NFL, because I know you got big ones, Packers bears, but they're, they're friendly. I mean, it doesn't, yeah. I mean, they don't dislike each. I know they dislike each other, but not in the way that the Ravens and Titans dislike each other right now. Colts bills, Mark end of the season on a, on a sad note in a way for you, but I mean, you got to be proud of some moments in that game. I mean, you stuck in a game with probably the hottest team in football right now, the bills. Yeah. They, excuse me, they played their best. And the thing I can be, the thing that I'm most proud of, but also the thing that hurts me the most is the fact that the Colts were not outmatched by any stretch and the Colts were in that game and could have won that game. And that makes me feel good because that means that this, this Colts team is good, but it also makes me feel bad because we had our chances and like I can count on almost two hands, how many opportunities added up to losing that game 24 to 27. We had a missed field goal. Uh, Kamoko Tura dropped off sides at the last, like on a must not jump off side play where they were not going to snap the ball before the half. Um, Isaiah Rogers almost intercepted the ball. The very next play after that, um, 
there were three plays on that driver. Josh Allen just barely slung it across the sideline and it was caught by McKenzie. Uh, Michael Pittman, the throw was just out of his reach. And even then he may have still been able to catch it that previous down where uh, they went for it right at the goal line. Um, I mean, I could keep going on. Blankenship missed a field goal. I don't know if I said that already. Um, there were just several moments where if one of them had gone the Colts way, the Colts may have won, but you know, that's playoff football. That's how it goes. I'm sure the bills would have had a moment or two and uh, it was just a good game. And it, it, it makes me sit and reflect about what I think about the Colts next year, but I, I'm going to sit on that one um, and, and let that simmer for a few weeks. Cause um, there are some questions and I will be curious to see just how well the Colts bounce back next season. The Pascal fumble at the end, Mark, yeah. what, what was your reaction to that? I mean, I feel like most people thought it was a fumble. I thought it was a fumble. I didn't think it was a fumble live. I thought, oh, he was down, like, mm-hmm. get over it. And then I looked at the replay, and I thought, oh, no, he fumbled it. <laughs> I literally tweeted, uh, admitting defeat as that replay kept going. And then they said it stood. And I, I watched the rest of the game with kind of, honestly, I was kind of dead just watching the game. Because at that point, my heart had already lost. My heart had already given up <laughs> on the game. So it didn't really hurt that we were this close to field goal range and didn't get into it. Um at that point, it was done. <laughs> I, I had accepted defeat. Um, I will say it was a little weird. There was twice on that drive where the Colts completely pulled off a play and then it came back because of a timeout. Twice, actually. It happened twice that a timeout occurred where they, they brought a play back. And, and the rest were weird about the clock the entire game. So um, that was it was just weird. But, you know, refs are going to ref. Yeah, I mean, I... I thought I enjoyed it. I thought it was one of my favorite games of the weekend, and I thought it could have gone either way, and I was fine with either team winning and moving on to to the next round. I guess I, I was going to ask you if you wanted to see Philip Rivers again, but it seems like you're more in, inclined to wait a little bit, think about yeah. it. And I guess we don't even know what Philip Rivers wants at this point or on the Colts mm-hmm. side. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see, though, how this team does move forward, and it's I think a, it'll be a very uh, – I'm going to watch their offseason a lot. I'm sure you will as well. Mm-hmm. Seahawks, Rams. Seahawks offense, to me, just seems based on backyard play. I mean, that's not going to win well, playoff games. I mean, it might, but if it's not working, it's not working. If it does, it does. But, I mean, it just seems like there's too many things going off script. I know Russell Wilson is one of the best QBs to trust in that scenario, but – Against the Rams defense, the way they're playing with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, their two best players, I mean, I don't think you're going to get away with just kind of running around and lobbing a 60-yard pass into the air every every couple downs. It's, just, it's not going to win you the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, here's the deal. When we're talking about backyard football, we're talking about playing or making plays on broken broken plays. And here's the here's the deal. First off, you shouldn't build your offense around that idea because it's risky because it's not exactly effective unless you have an effective quarterback and you have receivers who are in sync. There is only one team in the NFL that I would trust to play backyard football. And that's the Kansas city chiefs, just because of how speedy their receivers are, how in sync they are with Patrick Mahomes and how how freaking good Patrick Mahomes is. That's the only reason why I could just trust them going, all right, well, let's go out there. We'll run some routes. And then, you know, if you haven't thrown the ball by then, just y'all get get in tune with me where I'm at and, and start running and I'll get the ball to you. But 
the fact of the matter is, is they needed more structure. And this season is a bit telling because going into the year, the idea was you let Russell Wilson throw the ball more because Pete Carroll is so dead set on running the ball. But I think we found out that, I mean, you have to have a, a good scheme to let Russell Wilson throw the ball. You can't just go out and do it. And it got exposed as the season went on. Teams figured out how to defend it. Tyler Lockett admitted it in his post game. And I think that, I mean, I, I hate to, I mean, we both were kind of on this boat. So I hate to say like, told you so, but the Seahawks team was kind of exposed as the, the fraud team. They were the Rams are much more well-rounded and although they've been inconsistent, they still have pieces all across the board. Whereas the, the Seahawks, they're they're a bit they're just fluky almost. And I feel like so many teams that played the Seahawks either messed up in the game and gave them the chance to win, or they just didn't play their best game overall. This team should have lost to the Vikings. This team should have lost a couple other games this season, and they didn't get the best Rams team just two weeks ago. So I don't know. They have a lot of work to do there in Seattle. Granted, you're going to win football games because you're Russell Wilson, but the the facade of 12 and four makes it seem like they're a lot closer to a Super Bowl run than they are. I think they they need some they need some help. Definitely need some help. I mean, the the Rams beat them shorthanded. They didn't know a QB they were going to play going to this yeah. game, and they ended up playing a, a QB with a a very swollen thumb and just had surgery a couple of weeks ago and. I mean, that, that's not a good sign that you're losing to a team like that. Someone where Aaron Donald is leaving the game and not coming back. You need to take advantage of that. And I think we're going to need to see what the Seahawks do moving forward because this formula they have isn't going to work. It's uh, too risky. It's too up and down. And uh, it, it showed against the Rams team that also was up and down this season, but is a more steady than, than the Seahawks at this point. Buccaneers football team. Taylor Henneke, Mark. I mean, what what a story. What a, what a weird situation there. I mean, I, I didn't expect that whatsoever. I don't, I'm not someone that's like, let's see what he, let's see a team sign. I mean, it would be funny if a bad team signs him to a big mm-hmm. contract. But I mean, other than that, I don't, the, the biggest thing for me about this game is I don't feel very positive about the Bucks after. I don't think there's a lot of good takeaways for them. It, to me, it was closer than they, they probably should have, I mean, at least the storylines and stuff, you shouldn't have a game with a QB that possibly is probably not thinking he's playing. And then it's a seven to nine football team. If you're a Super Bowl team, I think you should handle it a little bit better than this. Yeah. I mean, first off, props to Taylor Heineke. And we could talk about his possibility of being a player going forward. But I, I, I care less about that right now and more about the fact that Taylor Heineke threw hospital pass after hospital pass over the center of the field. And that's where they drove down the field. And you want to know who's really good at throwing the ball down the middle of the field and finding receivers and routes like that drew Brees, And that's who you're up against next week. So if you couldn't do it against the Washington football team offense with a quarterback who hasn't been with the team all year and was previously playing with the Arizona hot shots, I, I have my worries about the defensive side of the ball. And I mean, I'm not worried about the offense. The offense performed pretty well, and they they scored a significant amount of points against a good defense that Washington has. And it's just going to be about can that defense keep up because, I don't know, Michael Thomas, Deontay Harris, Jared Cook, those guys could feast. 
they're going to stop Alvin Kamara. They'll slow him down. But I'm worried about that middle of the field coverage where Taylor Heineke was able to thrive and he didn't even play to the fullest ability like Drew Brees can. He, again, he floated those balls into the middle of the field. Drew Brees will be a little more precise about it. So you're right. They really need to come in and prove it next week, which the Buccaneers have shown they can uh, this season where they can just show up and dominate a game, but they can also show up really flat like they did against the Saints both times they played them this year. Yeah, I'd, I'd be worried if I'm a Bucks fan because I think they – it wasn't a game that, to me, built confidence in the yeah. Bucks, which is something you, you kind of want to see because they're going against good teams. Either they could have played the Saints – uh, which they are playing. They could have played the Packers if the Rams didn't win. And I don't think it built this confidence where like, hey, we can we can go win on, not in our home turf again. So, I mean, if I'm a Bucks fan, I'm not the uh, most confident out there right now. Yeah. Brown Steelers, wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, wow. It was crazy. I mean, most first quarter points scored in a playoff game at 28. It's the first postseason win for the Browns since 1994. And what a way to win it against the Steelers. Yeah feels like they kind of tagged them with some bad luck. I mean, they started 11-0, and then they went 1-5. and I mean, that's not how you want to you wanna end a season, but this felt like the perfect way to cap off a weird season for the Steelers to me. It just felt like, hey, this feels Steeler-esque, which yeah, is scary honestly, if you're a Steelers fan. Yeah, for me, I props to the Browns for their performance, but this, I felt, was much more indicative of the Pittsburgh Steelers than it was of the Cleveland Browns. I mean, that was a disastrous start to the game. First off, Marquise Pouncey, for some reason, struggled. First off, the first snap of the game. And then for the rest of it, he he got bullied by Ogunjobi over and over again throughout that game. Also, on top of that, Big Ben, that was that was a rough performance. And I'm not just talking about the interceptions. He whiffed on some passes, some that may have been interceptions that could have been interceptions too. He had maybe one or two good throws, but outside of that, Big Ben was out of it. And you could tell in his body language too. Like you saw him on the sideline. You saw him standing about. He looked like he had already lost when the second quarter started. Yeah, you're down 28, nothing. That sucks. But I mean, you're Ben Roethlisberger. You've won two Super Bowls. This is this is your team. Like you gotta, you're the leader. You gotta rally the guys up. It was such a, I mean, I don't know. I, it's tough for the Steelers because, you know, you can't just say you could cut a guy uh, who has been your franchise so many years. You can't just do that. He has a legacy here. If he wants to play, I almost feel like you're, it's going to be tough to say no. But if he ends up walking away, talk about an, an unceremonious way to finish your career in Pittsburgh, losing to the team you so dominated throughout his career in such a ugly way it was bad and you know uh i i kind of savor in it because this Steelers team they kind of got exposed for uh, i i used to expose early for the seahawks but they got exposed when things got rough they got exposed when things got rough at the end of the regular season and it leaked into the playoffs they're not the gritty team everyone wants them to be the people of pittsburgh deserve a grittier team than the team they got this year and it showed um, but they're going to have to do a lot of reflecting this off season because they've got a great defense, uh, but the offensive side of the ball needs some work and they, I think they need to look for a new quarterback. Yeah. And I think they're going to want him to retire because 41 projected 41 million projected cap hit from big Ben, which is huge the way he played this year. I mean, 
Yesterday, I also had the most pass attempts in a playoff game at 68 ever. It's, it's never good when you're having to pass that much. It most yeah. likely means you're behind and mm-hmm. you're most likely going to lose a game. I think the other people that were above six, there was two wins, and one of them was the Tom Brady versus Atlanta Super Bowl win, which mm-hmm. is historic to come back in something like that. And then they're also projected to be 21 million over the cap next year. And so they're going to have some interesting conversations this offseason if they bring uh, Juju back. Other scenarios, James Conner as well. There's a lot of unrestricted free agents. And I think they got some good pieces, but they're going to have some questions. Definitely. But the Browns, I respect this win. Didn't think they had a chance. I mean, last week they were taken to the the final minutes against a team that was resting at stars. It made it feel like this game wasn't going to matter whatsoever. They thought that the it was going to be an easy one for, for the Steelers to win. And then the Browns dominate it and finally mm-hmm. get a playoff win in forever. And I feel like you got to be feeling good and it's not bad to lose to the chiefs. I mean, this is, yeah. I mean, you, this was a great season by the Browns. They get into the playoffs and they, they beat their uh, hated rival in, in the Steelers. So I mean, yeah, that's awesome great. season. That's like, this is historic for Browns fans. I mean, I know people my age who grew up and never got to experience something like this ever never get that satisfaction they get a playoff they get to the playoffs and they get a playoff win over their oppressors forever like that's awesome um i mean i guess uh goes to show you maybe you shouldn't bench your starters if you're if you're pittsburgh you could have won that game and you could have potentially uh, i mean obviously the bills won so you didn't weren't going to get a seed change but you may have gotten a two seed and wouldn't have had to play the browns but um, from Cleveland side, I think, and this is kind of what I was getting at yesterday uh, on the broadcast. I think this week they didn't have the pressure. I think this week everyone just thought they were going to lose and they were in the playoffs for the first time. So they were just happy to be there. So they were playing loose football. They were letting the Steelers make the mistakes and the Browns just came in and did their thing. And as the game went on, you could tell the pressure started to hit them when, oh, we can't let this team come back and beat us. We can't do that. That'd be terrible. Uh, but they were able to pull it off. I think. The pressure from previous week where you needed to win to get into the playoffs we have to break that that drought was worse than the pressure of the playoffs so i mean i think that's probably what happened and yeah a loss of the chiefs next week don't matter this is a great season for cleveland definitely a great season but let, let's take a quick break we'll be back with our afc biggest questions and find out if we answer those or not Have you ever wondered why everyone and their mother seems like they have a podcast today? Well, it's probably because there's over a million podcasts a day alone, and it continues to grow every single day. And you've probably wondered, how do I start a podcast? And you've probably thought, it's too expensive, I don't have the equipment, it'll be too difficult, I just can't do it. Well, let me tell you, you're wrong. There's a platform called Anchor, and it's the simplest way to make a podcast and I did some light background research for you. First off, it's free. There's creations tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go make a podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started that's a n c h o r dot f m to get started and we are back first news connor taylor 
Mark Schoenster. Trying to answer our AFC biggest questions. Find out if those questions were answered or not. Let's start in the AFC North, where we're just ending with the Browns and Steelers. But let's start with the Ravens. What, what was your question uh, in the preseason, Mark, for, for the Ravens? Yeah, this is referring to actually our very first episode of this podcast, where we asked what was the biggest question going into the season. And now we're going to provide our answers as if we got them. The, the question for me was, how does Jackson follow up an MVP season? And the answer is uh, with some struggles. And I think that's a good thing. I said this on the broadcast this weekend that I think Lamar Jackson's better for the struggles that he had this year. I think if they had just torn through a 14 and two kind of season, then I think they wouldn't be any better. I think they'd be the same Ravens team they were last year when they got knocked out of the playoffs. I think this Ravens team is better than that one because Lamar Jackson has matured and has gotten better as a quarterback and has learned how to play sometimes uh, different than the blueprint. Now, granted, yesterday when they played the Titans, he got to kind of just be Lamar Jackson uh, in his old core, but there are going to be times where he's going to have to sit in the pocket and throw the ball, and I think he has grown. And so – Obviously, it was not an MVP season, and he was stopped at times, but I think he's grown, and I think that's how he followed up the MVP season, by becoming a more mature quarterback. I, I definitely think he, he he grew this season, and I think sometimes struggles are good, like you're saying, Mark. My question was a little bit, it's kind of the same thing, but a little bit reverses, saying, can other teams adapt to Lamar Jackson? And I think so. I think other teams are kind of a little bit more prepared for Lamar, I kind of know what they're getting. He's still a difficult quarterback to play. I mean, he's one of the best quarterbacks, and you kind of can't prepare for some of the things he's going to do because he is a quarterback that can do things off script, which is what the NFL is about right now. And honestly, I know we're hating on yeah. the, the Seahawks a little bit, but it's you need quarterbacks that can do things off script. And I think, you know, for a little bit, we saw them able to maybe a little bit contain Lamar Jackson in that offense and figure him out, but Lamar Jackson adapted back. So that, that's huge. And what we need to constantly see from top-tier quarterbacks is constant evolution and evolving, ultimately. Steelers, Mark, I asked if Big Ben can stay on the field. And I thought that was a big thing for them to have a better QB play. But I don't think it ultimately mattered, to be honest, because he didn't play that well this year. I mean, he played all right. I mean, he was better than probably Mason Rudolph would do. I mean, he ended up losing to the Browns, but also – Big Ben lost to the Browns in the playoffs. So I don't think it mattered. I think they're going to be moving on from QB most likely. And I thought that was going to be a huge thing for Big Ben to come back. And ultimately, I don't think it was that big in all honesty. Yeah, my uh, my I had more of a statement than a question. It was just a statement that I didn't have an answer to. And it was the floor is the playoff team and the ceiling is up to Big Ben. And so what we found out is that they pretty, they were pretty close to their floor. They, there were times this season, I mean, they went 11-0. There were times this season where Big Ben made them look like a higher caliber team because they were uh, they were figuring it out on offense. They were uh, Eric Ebron, Juju, Deontay Johnson. They were all getting the ball, and they were finding some success. But uh, the fact of the matter is, is they were – they they went from incompetent on offense to all right on offense, and – so they made the playoffs and then they got knocked out the first week of the season. So, I mean, they, they got a home game, I guess. So they weren't barely getting into the playoffs, but they didn't make it far into the playoffs. So we, we found out where this team stood with Big Ben and it was not very close to a ceiling that maybe I could have foreseen at the beginning of the year. 
Yeah, it was definitely a different season than I expected from the Steelers. They played the Browns, and I was asking if Baker Mayfield could bounce back this year. I mean, he did not have a good season last season. I would say he bounced back, but I don't think it's because of him. It's because Stefanski and running the ball. And it, it turned out that the best way for Baker Mayfield to do well is keep the ball out of his hands and, you know, make him not have to win the games. And that makes him sort of bounce back. I mean, I think he bounced back. I mean, he looks like a leader again and looks like the savior for for the Cleveland Browns, which is which is huge. So maybe not statistically bounce back in all ways, but I think in, in that locker room, he bounced back. And, and for that fan base, he bounced back. I think that Baker Mayfield fits more into his role now than he did last year. I mean, he's made some plays this year to win football games. I mean, early on in the year, they barely beat the Bengals, but it was on the back of Baker Mayfield. He played pretty well against Baltimore, even though they lost. He definitely stepped up. I think he bounced back. And like you said, due to the head coaching thing, which goes into my question, which was how much better is Stefanski going to be than Freddie Kitchens? Stefanski was kind of an unknown going into this year. And it's been huge, the difference between Freddie Kitchens and Kevin Stefanski. This is an indictment of Freddie Kitchens as a head coach. And it's also just a huge plus for Kevin Stefanski. I mean, my question was about the head coach. And I think the answer is this guy was the coach of the year. Uh, I mean, that's what's that's who I would be voting for. I was a big pro Brian Flores, but the Browns made the playoffs and Kevin Stefanski is partially to, to uh, take credit for that. Yeah. I didn't coach yesterday against the Steelers, but you know, he's been a part of that team all season long and it's been a huge improvement for the Browns. Yeah, that is been up being a really good question because Stefanski mattered a ton. And I think he probably has a really good shot being coach of the year. Yeah. So you, you got to feel good about that. And I think Browns fans should feel good moving forward. Even though on my side, Baker like, isn't like this guy where you like got to feel great about him. Like you're saying he fits more into yeah. his role, but Stefanski got to feel great about it. And a coach ultimately to me matters a little bit more than a QB. Some people might see it the other way around, but I think a coaching sets the culture a lot. QB does as well, but Coaching's huge. Yeah. Bengals asked if they could win close games. The Bengals, the previous season in 2019, went 0-8 in one-possession games. This year, they went 2-6-1 and in one-possession games. So, I guess that's better. And I think, yeah. ultimately, you got to feel good about Burrow. I know he got injured, but I think he's the guy that's going to end up slowly winning those one-possession games for you, unless he just ends up being a Phillip Rivers in his career. Yeah, I mean, here's the deal. We both talked about those close games preseason. My question was, will the defense allow Joe Burrow to win games? And Joe Burrow was able to win a game. Uh, I think the other one's probably uh, Ryan Findley against the Steelers. Um, so he got one win, and then Ryan Findley got one win, and then there was a tie against the Eagles that Joe Burrow was a part of. The defense vaguely improved throughout the year. I mean, they were able to get that win over the Steelers because their defense made some plays and were able to slow down Ben Roethlisberger enough, cause some turnovers. Um, so they're still far off on the defensive side. So I can't say that the defense is going to allow Joe Burrow to win every game, but I think the defense will step up at least sometimes and will give Joe Burrow the shot that he needs and he'll go out and he'll win some games next year. And maybe the year after that, hopefully he recovers well and he gets back to his form uh, prior to that. Obviously we didn't foresee him getting injured. Um, 
but yeah, I think that uh, that'll be the, that'll be the thing to look for next year. We, we kind of, uh, I don't think we've got the full answer yet. I think this is still a work in progress, but we we're seeing progress. And I mean, obviously a big question for the Bengals, just Joe Burrow, how will he produce this season? And I think you got to feel really great about it. I know yeah. either of us didn't really ask that question, but Joe Burrow is, as you're a Bengals fan, you got to be like, man, we finally found a franchise guy in yep. a division where you need a franchise guys, because those other, those other teams in your division don't look like they're going away anytime soon. Well, I mean, maybe the Steelers, you could argue they're, they're hitting rock bottom here for them, but they're in the playoffs and Mike Tomlin knows what he's doing. He's, he's proven that time and time after again. So really the Bengals needed to find their guy. And luckily we think they did. Yeah. AFC West chiefs can't really answer the question. I asked, can they run it back? I think so. It's a, it's a weird season for them, but the, the, the question's still unanswered. We believe they can run it back, but they, they still have to answer that question. Yeah. I mean, my question was who or what is going to stop them. And at this point, the answer is no one. I mean, we, we, we may have some propositions. We, we may propose that the bills might be able to stop them. We propose the Packers might be able to stop them or the saints. But the fact of the matter is, is I'm still favoring the chiefs in all those games. There's not a team and there hasn't been COVID issues with this, with this franchise that have made me go, Oh, well maybe they won't take it back this year. This entire season has been, uh, the, the, this party for the Chiefs almost. They've just been fooling around. They only lost one game this year with their actual starting lineup, and they ended up beating that team again later that season. So they've beaten every team they've played this season, uh, except for the uh, even the Chargers. They beat the Chargers, but um, I don't know. I think the, the, obviously we don't have the definitive answer yet, but I mean, I don't see that. My sentiments at the beginning of the year are the same now. You asking who or what? I think it's the Chiefs, honestly, at this point, I believe it's what's going to stop them would be themselves because if they yeah. play four quarters, they should win. Mm-hmm. Unless just another team puts up their, their best game in years. Yeah. Broncos asked, is the hype real for Drew Locke? Didn't really get the answer. I remember there being so many fun articles you know broncos get the real drew lock with swag in year two and all these things but i don't know if we really we found the answer i mean the broncos just had a injury plagued year and it just felt weird they never got things together and honestly we might not ever find out the hype thrill for drew lock because who knows they could move on go after someone yeah. like stafford i mean there's, there's plenty of questions i don't think the, the the answer at qb for the broncos is anywhere close to being answered after this season, which kind of sucks for Broncos fans. Yeah. That was really like the whole mission of the season, wasn't it? And my question was also drew lock related. It was how does drew lock handle the rigors of a full NFL season? We don't get an answer to that because he didn't play a full NFL season. He got hurt several times and his team was hurt. He didn't get to Cortland Sutton didn't get to play all year. So we couldn't, he didn't get to play with his top receiver. And yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see how the Broncos handle the situation because they could be a good team next year if they stay healthy and have a good quarterback. And so I I wouldn't be shocked either way. I think this is quite the toss-up. Do they keep Drew Lock? Do they have faith in Drew Lock, which could be a risky pick? Or do they go with a Stafford or a Matt Ryan or someone like that, which is also risky because then you're giving up a guy. You have a guy who's going to come in who's old and has been playing somewhere for a long time. It's 
it's going to be an interesting year for the Broncos next season. And I know we were hoping maybe going into the year that it was just the year to evaluate Drew Locke. We didn't even really get that to, to its full extent. So get to evaluate him a little bit, but all in all, this, this is one of the, uh, the unfortunate questions we asked because we didn't really get a definitive answer to it. No, we didn't. I, and I thought we really would because I think the Broncos want to know because they, I think if they're healthy, they're, they've got some interesting pieces, especially on the defense and offensive side where maybe you could convince yourself that they're, I think you could argue they're a playoff team possibly, but it's ultimately up to the QB and they, they don't know, which is, yeah. which is a big issue. Raiders, I asked how much longer for Derek Carr. I, you know, found some quotes out there. Uh, Gruden has reportedly backed out back Carr as the Raiders started and stuff like that. And then he just guaranteed so much money. But I think he's, this season he played really well. And I think he should continue to have his job. Who knows if he will, but I think there, there's no reason to move on. I don't see there's an intriguing enough offer or giving up too much to, to go after Carr in all honesty. And I think he put up a Derek Carr season and I think there's bigger issues than Derek Carr and Las Vegas right now. Yeah. I mean, Derek Carr is not exactly the best case scenario, but he's also very far from the worst case scenario for the Raiders. And really, if you're going to look at anything, it's that defense. They need some work defensively. They at times played well this year. They did really well in the second half against the chiefs when they beat the chiefs, which is probably the highlight of their season was being the one team to beat the chiefs. And it was in airhead, which I hadn't done forever. Uh, Either they need to figure out how they can replicate that more often or they need to get some new pieces and they need to make sure their next defensive coordinator does better at his job. Um, my question was, is Henry Ruggs the best receiver in this draft class? No, he's not. And I mean, he's really good though. I, I think you could be happy with the draft pick, but I think we can agree that maybe C.D. Lamb is better. I don't know. We, we, it's kind of hard to tell with Andy Dalton at quarterback. And Justin Jefferson was fantastic for the Vikings this season. Like out of all the rookies, he was fantastic. And so I that's that's the thing. And my and the reason I asked that question was would that offense evolve because of it? And the offense did evolve. The offense was higher powered this season, but it's overshadowed by the fact that that defense really let them down. I mean, think about what ended their playoff run. They went down the field and scored a touchdown against Miami with second or not a touchdown. They kicked a field goal uh, with seconds to go against Miami. And then their defense goofed it up and, and cost them the game. I think that's kind of uh, an encapsulation of the bills issues right now. It's not Derek Carr. It's that defense, which is shocking given that your head coach is John Gruden and he's been there now for, it's not his first year anymore. You can't use that excuse. Yeah, it's his team now, and I get there's yeah. players that are left over, but it, it, it's, it's his locker room, his team, and it's it's on him at this point. And he's got to figure some things out, and because the Ravers dump tons of money on him, and they're going to continue to dump money on him. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Chargers, I jokingly asked if they would adjust without a home field advantage. And then I basically asked, is, is a good defense good enough? And they had some injuries and some issues, and – I don't think that's really a question I should have asked. I thought I should ask more something on the Anthony Lynn side of things. But the, the biggest takeaway from their season is Justin Herbert, which I don't think anyone could have really yeah, suspected something like that to happen. No, absolutely not. I don't think anyone was anticipating Herbert to have the year he had. He was fantastic and he was explosive. 
And uh, I think that's something Chargers fans can be excited about next season. They've got a good roster there and they can do well. Now they just got to find the head coach to, to take them to the promised land or to take them to potentially a playoff spot, which is hard in that division. Um, my question was kind of Anthony Lynn related, but it missed the mark on the Anthony Lynn issue. I asked, does a mobile QB make that much of a difference in an Anthony Lynn offense? And I mean, we didn't get to see Terod Taylor for much last season, so we didn't get to see that. And Justin Herbert's kind of mobile, but that wasn't really what made that offense tick. It, it, it just started working. And Justin Herbert was the guy for it. I guess Phillip Rivers just wasn't uh, the scheme fit for this team anymore. So in one way, Anthony Lynn was proven right by getting rid of Phillip Rivers and, and Justin Herbert coming in and playing the way he did. But the fact of the matter is, is that still wasn't enough to keep Lynn around because his game management was the death of him. This team could have won so many more. This team team could have been competing for a playoff spot with how many games they messed up. So that is the story of the season. And I guess the question to the answer is yes. Having a mobile QB makes that much of a difference because Justin Herbert's a mobile QB, but it wasn't because he was mobile that the offense went better. It Justin Herbert just had the knack for it. And uh, yeah, I think that that's kind of my takeaway from the, from the chargers. They need to find a head coach. They've got the talent. They just need to have someone point them in the right direction. They felt like they've had the talent for years though. In all honesty, so hopefully yeah. they can find the coach. And I think Justin Herbert is an exciting prospect. If I'm a coach, I think that's a, that's a good place to go absolutely in all honesty i think i would love going to charges i mean you got plenty of pieces got a good pass rush good secondary i mean i'm, I'm i'd be happy with with ending up with that job afc absolutely. east the patriots i asked how will bill belichick lose a pick this year jokingly finding he would find a way to to cheat basically and uh, end his team in the playoffs and you know i guess the thing is i should have I guess, lowered my expectations about them. Because, no, honestly, though, Mark, do you think this season should be considered a failure for the Patriots? I mean, should our expectations, my expectations, I think, honestly, might have just been too high in the beginning where I should have actually really looked and say, hey, this is huge that all these players are gone, and Bill Belichick can't fit all that together, even though I love them. Yeah, Yeah, you know, so many of the losses this season – for the Patriots were indicative of their lack of talent. And I think that's something that's worth keeping note of. They were just outmatched in some way and there was nothing that Bill Belichick could do about it. My question was, what does Bill have in store for us this season? We saw some of it early on with Cam Newton and then it sort of fizzled away. It wasn't enough. And I don't know if we can judge off of one season. I think what we have to do is we have to take the next season or two, lump them with this one and judge the product that Bill Belichick provides because this is a team that had a lot of opt-outs. This is a team that has a lack of talent. They, I mean, Bill Belichick was pretty frank about it this season. They sold out for years for those Super Bowl runs and now they have to pay the prices for it. They, they went all in and now they have to pay back and, and make it level. So I, I don't even know if the Patriots will be a playoff team next year, but I think what we have to see is progress. And then maybe the year after that's really the true judgment season, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, I, I think it's unfair to compare Tom Brady and Bill Belichick right now, given the situations they were put in. Tom Brady was thrown in with a cast of really talented guys with a great head coach. Bill Belichick was left with scraps. So I don't know. I, I think People making the judgment now that it was Brady, not Belichick, are a little too early to pull the trigger. 
there was one person out there that I always saw put out a joke tweet after every week, depending on who won, would be like, man, now I think it's more Brady or man, now I think it's more logic, which I thought was hilarious because there's people yeah. out there that probably really are like, oh, or maybe like it's that. Yeah. that go week by week where it's like, really? Like, come on, man. It's, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Bills, I don't look very smart on this one, Mark. I said, <laughs> is, is more confidence enough for Josh Allen? And I, I didn't listen back to the podcast, but I'm sure I, I ragged on the guy. And he, he, there's a quote from Cole Beasley I used. He said he, he's playing with more confidence than ever. And there's a longer part. He's making more throws that he wouldn't even try to attempt last year. Apparently it's working because there were throws in that Colts game and throughout this entire year where it's like, what? Like, that's an amazing throw. And apparently, yes, the answer is yes. More confidence is enough for Josh Allen. And also Stefan Diggs is enough for Josh Allen to make an incredible leap and probably one of the best leaps we'll ever see by QB in the NFL. Yeah, I agree. And my question would kind of dodge Josh Allen. It was how will the offensive line hold up in year two? I said the Bills are one of the most complete rosters in the NFL outside of the line in Allen. And we saw them both take a step up. I thought the offensive line did well this year. Josh Allen at times had such a clean pocket and did well on those broken plays to give him some time. And uh, I say they held up. They got better than last year and the Bills have benefited hugely for it great season by the bills even if they're yeah. losing this this next week i think you got to be super happy with how josh allen has evolved yep. the jets asked is adam gase the right guy the answer is no no <laughs> it's, it's no 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 it's not a shocker we we, we really knew the answer before the the season but it's really the only thing could ask i mean you could ask yeah. things about sam darnold but i mean it's a no i don't really have much to say we've, we've harped on him plenty but what was your question mark Mine was, where is Darnold's help coming from? And the answer is nowhere. And that was what I was anticipating. I said the Jets and the Jaguars would be the two or probably the two worst teams in the NFL going into the year. And look where we're at. I mean, not trying to boast, but I mean, it was it was the, the writing was on the wall. So that's that. The Dolphins, the last team in the AFC East asked, are they ready to play Tua? And I'm not sure we even have an answer yet, Mark. I think they are, yeah. but they're they're kind of confused. They go back to Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then there's this weird discussion about maybe Deshaun Watson. So I don't think that question's answered, which you know, I thought it would be answered, but I think this is way more exciting narrative that it's not answered, to be completely honest, that we don't know if they're all in on two or not. This is going to be an interesting offseason for the Dolphins. They have a lot of pieces on their team. They have a third overall pick. They have maybe their quarterback already. They're talking about Deshaun Watson. Yeah, that question isn't answered yet. We'll get it soon, though, actually, though. We may get it before the next season starts. Um, my question for the Dolphins was, can they control the game through running the ball? And the answer is not really. They haven't really gotten that down yet. Miles Gaskin had done well at times this year. Ahmad did well at times this year. Um, but they haven't quite figured it out yet. And I think the Dolphins this offseason need to figure out uh, an offensive piece or two for, for that offense, whether that be with that top round pick getting a, a Jamar chase or a Devonte Smith, or maybe in the second round, getting another running back uh, or more offensive line pieces. They, they do need to improve on that side of the ball. Their defense has done well. They, they need to be a little more explosive on offense and maybe that'll help Tua. maybe that's what they think. I, I don't know this off season. We're going to get Miami's answer to the question for sure. And I am excited for it because they seem like a team that's all in. And that's why they're playing Fitzpatrick. Cause I think they're legitimately think they're ready to contend. I think, they could be next year if they make the right moves. AFC South, Texans, I asked, who will replace Hopkins? 
Nobody. No one can nope. replace Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins is a, you could say the number one rod receiver in the NFL. I'm completely fine with that answer. And they're, they're, you can't replace them. I mean, you got Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, Randall Cobb. None of those guys can be DeAndre Hopkins. Nope. And the Bill O'Brien ghost still lingers in the Texas oh, yeah. organization. Oh, it's yeah. hilarious. Deshaun's pissed. I mean, Hopkins is gone. I mean, I just see that place tumbling. Watt could probably be mad sooner or later. I assume he's mad right now. I mean, he's had the plenty of discussions about during post game. Yeah. So that's that's an answer for me. But what, what was your question, Mark? Can Bill O'Brien justify this offseason? <laughs> Much like our Jets question, it is a hard no. Not at all. David Johnson stepped up late in the year, but that does not compensate for what DeAndre Hopkins has done in Arizona and what the Texans were lacking on that offense, which was a star receiver. Um, for Deshaun Watson. That's all I got to say. Titans, was last year real? I want to say yes. I want to say yeah. last year was real. I mean, obviously, we were coming off a pretty sad game by Derrick mm-hmm. Henry, his worst of the season, his worst of this whatever game stretch it is, his phenomenal stretch in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But I think it's real. I think they found a formula that really works. They need help on defense. But I think they got enough pieces on offense that where I think they can come in there and play Titans football, which is really the issue yesterday. They didn't seem like they were playing Titans football. Yeah, my question was, can Tannehill do it when Henry can't? And we really didn't get an answer to that this whole season because Henry could all season long. Uh, And we talked about it in the broadcast, best 20-game stretch of a running back ever. So Tannehill didn't really get that asked of him until the game on Sunday. And he wasn't able to do it. He wasn't able to pull it off. He did it against the Texans like one time during the season where he had to do it. It wasn't because Henry couldn't, but because it had to be a pass game. And he wasn't able to get the job done. I don't think it's a hard definitive answer. It's one game in the playoffs. But I mean, if we want to take the little bit of uh, evidence we've got, the answer is no, Tannehill can't do it when Henry can't. And I'll be curious to see how the Titans do next year. Can Henry keep this up or are they going to figure need to figure out some something at the quarterback position? I don't think so. I think this Titans team is pretty set on offense. It's more of a defensive issue for them. Colts, Mark, I didn't really have a real question for them. So what, what was your question, and, and was that question answered at all? How much will be asked of Philip Rivers? And more than I wanted, more than I wanted. And at times, he, he, lived, he was able to reach the call. When we went down bad against the Bengals, he helped get us back into the game. When we were down against the Bills, he was able to get us back into the game. And then other times, he didn't. When we were down against the Browns, he threw another interception. He had a safety. He had some bad plays. When we were down against the Steelers, he was not able to lead the drive to get us uh, the win or the tie uh, at the end of the game. And so it was a mixed bag, which I think is what I was expecting if that were to happen. And all in all, I thought the run game was going to be really dominant this year for the Colts. The fact of the matter is Marlon Mack tore his Achilles week one, which meant Jonathan Taylor had to get fast-tracked to figuring out the game. And it took him a while. He finally did end of the year, and the Colts started running the ball effectively again. But I'm curious to see if Phillip comes back next year and the Colts take him, how effective the run game will be next year. And if Phillip Rivers won't be seeing the ball uh, throwing it as much because, I mean, that wasn't the goal this year. And although sometimes you have to play comeback football, but uh, I think the answer to this question, though, is too much was asked of him at times. 
And is do you know off the top of your head if Marlon Mack is under contract for the Colts next season? Or um off the top of my head, I think he's a free agent next year, which is brutal for him because this was like a contract year for him. Uh, I'll be curious to see if the Colts uh, resign him. I think it'd be great to have him back. And I don't know if any team's going to bite on him after having that injury. I think the Colts are probably the only place for him to go. Maybe they'll just give him a one year. Let's see if you're healthy and good again, kind of deal. He means something to the organization. So I'd love to see him back and make it really a vigorous one, two punch. And then you got a third down back in Naheem Hines. That'd be awesome. Yeah. And whoever ends up, coming in at QB next year, you got to be feeling good about Taylor. If Marlon Mack yeah. comes in, all right. And then you got Hines as well. So, I mean, you got to be feeling good about that, that backfield for sure. Absolutely. Jaguars, I asked, does anyone want to be there? And I think shockingly, the answer throughout most of the season was no. But I think now that they're getting Trevor Lawrence, the answer is yes. yes. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was willing <laughs> to go there and possibly Urban Meyer. The answer is weirdly, people want to be in Jacksonville, which is completely shocking to me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> throughout the year, the answer was definitely no. Those players did not seem like they wanted to be there. The front office treated them like they didn't want them there. The head coach didn't seem like he wanted to be there, and they tanked. They started Mike Glennon through a ton of games where Gardner Minshew would have given them a better shot, and then they started Minshew the one game they knew they would lose against the Ravens. So it was just oof, oof. They didn't want to be there. I think that's the answer to your question for the season. Now they might want to be now that, you know, you've got maybe a historic quarterback coming. My question was, where will we see growth this year? And I, unfortunately, we didn't see a lot of growth. We thought maybe we were wrong with the Jaguars when they won week one and they proceeded to never win again. And so there are a couple pieces on defense. I, I'm trying to remember his name. Let me really quick look it up um, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He played in the Colts game and he played both games against the Colts. He played really well. And I think he, he had some fire to him. Uh, he, he played on the defense and I'm going to click it now. Is that my- I thought it was really the only, I could say grew over the season. Andrew Wingard. Okay. He was, um, he was their safety. And I thought he played really well and deserves to stay on that team. But outside of that, like not a lot of growth at all. And that's pretty upsetting. Definitely. But if somehow Urban Meyer decides to come back, I think he's actually someone that would be good for the job because he is a culture builder. Mm-hmm. I don't know your, your thoughts on Urban Meyer. I mean, he retired, which to a brain, I believe, issue. And then mm-hmm. it's weird if he comes back and he's kind of done weird things like that before. But I, I like Urban Meyer. I think he'd yeah. be a good coach. And uh, Trevor Lawrence is a generational type quarterback. So apparently people will want to be there after this season. I think it'll be a better job probably than the jets which mm-hmm. sucks for jets but that's gonna wrap yeah. it up today that's our afc biggest questions mark and some of them were answered some of them weren't but i i feel like yep as it goes ended up being pretty funny getting answered kind of just like the jaguars one but that's it for first yeah. and moose with connor taylor mark Schultz, sir you can catch us this weekend for the divisional round on saturday and sunday and then a reaction on monday or tuesday on the air as always thank you for listening